This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. That is Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. And Logan, uh, it's time time to get ready for a football game. Uh, time to get ready for a season. It's here. It's week one. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. And like in classic NFL fashion, you know, like the, the week one is going to be interesting, even though it's against like a team that's just okay. So, you know, always, always fun storylines in the NFL. And it's good to be talking about football finally. So. For sure. So uh, we will preview the game itself later in the week. Right now, though, kind of a season preview, answering some of the biggest questions, and then we'll end with some of the season total over-unders, you know, Sam Howell touchdowns, Terry McLaurin receptions, all that kind of stuff at the end of the podcast. Um, Let's start, though, with this one from Josh Stack on Twitter. He said, no love from the national pundits for the team this year. Is it Ashburn syndrome to think the team will be a playoff-caliber competitive team? I mean, kind of. I mean, like like when you take take a step back, right, and just like look at it from a national pundit's perspective, which we've talked about, like you're starting a fifth-round quarterback. And and it's not that he's untalented. It's not that he hasn't been good. But like the history and the track record of even rookie first-round quarterbacks playing really high-level football is not great. So you kind of have to count that in. So let's say Sam throws for – 25 touchdowns and 15 interceptions like that's a pretty good year but it's like kind of middle of the one road. of the best years a quarterback here has had a, right. a decade right but it's like you know is that enough to win you a whole bunch of games i don't know so there's that i think the o-line kind of mixing up um is interesting you know in terms of like you're having what is it four new starters and like guys have been in the organization obviously cause have been here Sadiq's been here, but four new starters with in terms of position and what they're doing. That's that's like usually not a great sign. Um, obviously, a new play caller is a big thing. Like there is a, it takes time to learn new offenses. It takes time to get stuff installed. So I'd say like that's something that I'm really um, kind of keeping an eye on. You know, it's just like if if you're if you're if you're someone outside looking in, you're not watching practice every day. Like those things are tough. They're they're really really tough. And then when you look at the the variance in defensive production year to year, which is so closely tied to strength of schedule, this strength of schedule is much harder than it was last year. So, you, you know, nationally, you're probably expecting some type of defensive regression, even though that group looks really, really good. So it's like all of those things kind of culminate in this, well, you know, they, they might be a talented team. They might be good. They might have upside, but 2023 doesn't look like it's going to be a very, very productive year for them. Now, 
like I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that they're going to outperform that because of what EB's done this offseason um, and what EB can do or what I've seen EB do just from like, you know, what, what that Kansas City offense has the potential to bring, what a West Coast offense in general does for a young quarterback, how Sam has performed. I think they'll exceed expectations. The, the question is like, what does that look like? Is that 10 wins? Is that, you know, nine? Because like right now I think they have us winning six games. Is that correct? Six and a half. Yeah. Six and a half. Yeah. So – and I think it's tough. Like the, the schedule's tough this year. So it's not like I don't think it's I think it's a little bit of aspirin. I think it's a little bit of, you know, the the kind of national perspective on the team. But I do think I, I think some of that stuff is warranted. I'm and I'm not talking bad about the organization. I love what they've done. I think they're in a good spot, but there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered. And we have not played an actual football game yet. So like they'll they'll remain unanswered probably till like week five or six. So yeah, I mean, everything you said is true, but I don't think it's Ashburn syndrome to think this team could be playoff competitive when they were last season and their offense stunk. Like, that's the thing that I think gets missed by the national pundits is people think this was like a four-win team last year or something. It wasn't. They were an 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one football team, and Carson Wentz, who was abysmal, started six games, and Taylor wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire, although he figured out enough to win. And then, obviously, uh, Carson comes back in that Cleveland game and kaputs goes the season. But the offense in general was incredibly unproductive, even when they found ways to win games. And the defense didn't even start that well. And they won eight games. And yeah. so I know the strength of schedule is harder. I would be stunned if the offense isn't better, if not... Like, I think the upside is significantly better. Sure. But I think, at minimum, they are better and I think the defense is going to be better this year if this John Allen plantar fasciitis doesn't linger, which is a gigantic question mark. I mean, the linebacker is also a huge question mark, but they had that question last year. Um, I think the secondary is going to be better this year. Like it, what it was post William Jackson the third um, is was a totally different uh, group back there, and I think that they'll be closer to that. Even if you have a rookie starting in Emmanuel Forbes, but. I just, to, to say that if the threshold is playoff caliber competitive, to me, yeah, that's the minimum expectation. If they're not that, then there's going to be massive changes, and there should be massive changes because of the talent level on this team. And that's not me wishing for that to happen by any stretch of the imagination. Um, clearly, I would rather cover a winner, and I don't like seeing people lose their jobs, yada, yada, yada. But realistically, with the talent that they have, and what they've been building over the last couple of years and with what I think the enemy is capable of, I think they should be playoff caliber competitive. It's going to be hard, but they should like, that's, that's not an outrageous thought to have. Yeah. But I think it's like, when you say should, like the reason you're saying should is because of all the question marks that we just discussed. Right. And, and I think also you look around the division and you say like Philadelphia, like probably the best team in the division. I think Dallas got a lot better with the addition of like uh, Dalvin cooks and, uh, Stephon Gilmore in the back end. And and again, that doesn't make them uh, not, a perfect... Uh, Brandon uh, Cooks you're talking about on the wide what receiver. What I say? Yeah, what I say? Da yeah, Brandon Cooks, excuse me. Yeah, Dal um, Dalvin's playing running back for the Jets. Yeah, so, you know, I'd say, like, they've gotten better, you know. And, and again, like, I, I'm not saying this is a bad team, but, you know, you start a rookie corner. Like, they're going to go through their lumps, right? You mentioned the linebackers. Like, we've been kind of up and down on them. The health of the defensive line, we haven't even talked about Chase. Like, they're... It's it's NFL football, right? I was talking yeah. with the guys, um, you know, um, Santana and Fred 
another podcast about this. And like, there's no like easy layup wins. And this team is definitely one that's not built for like easy layup wins the way like Kansas City is, right? Where you're just like better than everybody. You have the best player in football on your team. You've got a great scheme. You've got a team that's built to and knows how to win. Like we're not quite there yet. I am optimistic. Like I do think that having EB here is very, very valuable, you know, but I do think like, I think there's a little bit of rose colored glasses with this a little bit, you know, cause like you're assuming that um, you're assuming that Sam Howe plays good football, you know? And I think that that is, that I mean, can kind be a of, bit... but I'm just, I'm not even so saying that. Like, I'm, you, I'm was... assuming that he's playing better football than Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke did last year. What was year? the touchdown exactly interception ratio for those three guys last year or two, two guys together? That, that would be my question. And does, because I, I remember I looked this up earlier this offseason. Like that's a pretty good ratio. You know, it wasn't like amazing, but it was like pretty good. And does Sam outperform that? And it's it's a, it would be a crazy kind of a cra- I think it would be precedent setting for a young player to to throw like that. So Wentz was eleven to nine. Okay. Um, and Taylor Heineke was Heineke was twelve to six. 12 to 6. All right, so that's so 23, 23 to 15. 15. So does he do that? That's a good year for a young player. You yeah. Know? Like and then But it's but also like against, that's, against that's tougher one competition. part of the equation though. Like obviously, you know, how do you move the ball, you know, drives can get finished in other ways. Sure. Um but, but it just it man, I don't know, man. I just But but, it, but process it, I, last I, year was so I, bad. I guess what I'm saying is it feels that way. Because we watch it every day. You know, if we didn't watch it every day and we were just national media, we'd be like, no way. No way that's going to work. You got a guy calling plays for the first time in his whole career. You got a guy who's installing his own offense for the first time. Historically, those things take time to develop. Sam Howell, like everyone agrees he's talented now. You know, everyone saw that that Monday night game. Everyone's super jazzed, fired up, whatever it is. But like he's a young football player. Young quarterbacks have an acclimation period. You're starting four new people on the offensive line. Like it is not, it's not just like a walk-in playoff ready team here. There are questions that need to be answered. Now, I think Juan Castillo and Travell Wharton have done a great job with the O-line. I think that group's going to exceed expectation. But do I think that they're going to exceed expectation because I watch them every single day? Probably. Do I think Sam's going to exceed expectation because I watch him every day and I go to Ashburn all the time? Probably. Am I stoked on EB because I see him every day? Probably. So that's what I'm saying. I think there is a little bit of shine. Because we're out there all the time, Craig. And like that's I'm not sure. saying it's right or wrong, but I'm saying like that's why I think there's this tremendous optimism because we have a little bit more information. But that information comes not knowing what Philly's practices look like or what Dallas's practices look like. So I think that's kind of where I'm at is like we have all this information around our team, but like we don't have information about the other teams in the division even to kind of say, right. oh, like this is like what it would look like, I guess. So here's here's my question though, is like we have the information and while we don't have it about the other teams, what we have on, on this team is good. It's not like, you know, like if this team is executing at a high level in practice and this team is, you know, doing the right things and this team is sharp, like at what point does it not, not that it doesn't matter what the other teams are doing, but like if this team executes well and the talent here is better than people outside who don't know, think it is like, doesn't that give us a knowledge advantage? And I think do think sometimes you get way caught up in your own stuff. And, you know, there's obviously an objectivity that is very helpful. And the more you know about the more things, ideally you can come to better conclusions. Yeah. But 
it like what it, it would be different to me if we saw this team every day and we're like i don't know they're pretty mixed bag like they're actually not that sharp they're not on top of the details but they're talented so let's see how it goes when they go up against other teams what we've seen is a team that is on the screws on a lot of the stuff that sure. we have missed or been missing here in the past and so if other outside pundits don't have that information to me that's like that's where they're underselling this team and we actually have a an advantage there it doesn't mean it's gonna you know not be hard to face philadelphia or dallas or or you know buffalo in week three or whoever you want to throw you know talk about but like the the stuff that has been problematic here in the past where we've seen it even in preseason and in training camp has not been as bad this year and in some areas has been pretty damn good. And that to me is is the biggest difference. And I would say to you, um, you know, I, I think this probably comes from having been on different teams with different organizations, different off seasons, that type of stuff, is you always think you're doing the right stuff. You always think you're ahead of the curve. Like even when it's bad, you always think you're progressing. There's like this confidence about it. And I think because of our proximity, we're kind of infected by that, by that optimism, you know, because like, it, to, to really know like, oh, oh, it's sharp here. Right. And I know it's sharp because I've seen multiple training camps, but maybe Kansas City. That's what I'm sharper. saying. Like, it's but, not maybe, like maybe, but maybe, but maybe, uh, let me finish my thought. So maybe Kansas City is even sharper or Philly's even sharper. And like mm -hmm. the standard of what excellence looks like or what elite offenses or what elite groups look like or what elite skill position groups look like looks and feels different. Like we're like, oh man, John's balling in camp. But everybody's got a guy who's balling in camp, one of their one receivers. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. Does, Terrell Pryor had one of the greatest training camps I've ever seen in my life. And so, and so that's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying is that it's. Just, like, I'm not saying that our evaluation is incorrect. Our evaluation is incomplete, is what I would say. And that incomplete evaluation, and it's not our fault. We can't go to Philly's training camp. We can't go to Dallas's training camp. We don't know what that looks like. Like so, we don't. We just have this information. And so there's nothing to say like uh, it's easy to say oh yeah the old line's looking way sharp they're they're improving they're exceeding expectations and then we go to Philly and we're like oh well like that old line's amazing and that quarterback's amazing and that skill group's amazing and I'm not saying that's one of the better teams in football that, that's one of the better rosters in football so you probably would say that but because of our proximity our evaluation is incomplete and I I, I agree with what you're saying like. We've got good skill position players, yes, but so does everybody else in the division. Maybe not uh, the Giants, but we we're like, oh, optimistic about the O line because we all thought they were going to be terrible, and they've exceeded that slightly. But are they a good offensive line? Would be my question. And you just go around around like look at Philly's O line compared to our O line, or look at the Giants' O line compared or defensive line, excuse me. And it's like the what is the deviation? What is the separation between those groups? It's really hard to tell because we haven't watched those other practices would be my thought. So it's, I'm not saying that we're, we're wrong or that our evaluations poor of the roster. I'm just saying it's, we don't have other information. And because of that lack of other information, you're going to bias to what you know. I got a funny story. So when I used to take Spanish in high school, I was terrible at Spanish. Like I'm a bad speller. I'm not good with other languages. Right. And I would get the Scantron and I'd look down and I'd be like, Oh, I know that word, that Spanish word, that's gotta be the answer. And you bias to things that you're familiar with, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think we just naturally bias towards the commanders in this case. Again, so there is a little bit of rose color. I do think that doesn't that doesn't dissuade me from thinking that they can be good. But I also think there's a lot of really, really good football teams around the NFL. And we just don't know 
especially with the strength of schedule change, like how good this team can be. And it, it's, it's just an unknown thing at this point, I think. Yeah, I hear you. I, I would just say this. This is my last, my last uh, ditch you know, pushback on here. The Baltimore practice went really well. And that is the one, I mean, obviously they also went three and zero in the preseason. That means nothing because the majority of the snaps in those games are played by guys that are no longer wearing the uniforms of the teams that were on the field those days. Um, they've all been cut. You get the point. Um, however, the Baltimore practice, like you see, by the way, the difference in an elite quarterback and what Sam Howell is like, Howell did well in those practices, but Lamar was, you go, Whoa, like that right. dude is that's different. Like you can see it, but you watch Jahan cook, you know, the Ravens guys. Now, by day two, they were, didn't have any other guys left. But, like, day one, you know, going against the Marlon Humphreys, whatever, like, he sure. and Terry, like, they did well. Curtis, you know, on down the line, you're like, oh, yeah, these guys are really, really good. Um, you see the offensive line hold up better than we thought they would. They actually sure. look better in those practices than they did against the commander's D line, which makes you think that, Oh, maybe this commander's D line is actually as good as advertised. And this offensive line maybe isn't struggling as much as we, we thought they're just facing one of the best D lines in football. So I think the Baltimore practice tells us something. And also, I don't I know. Agree. I just, I, I just go to the threshold of the question here is really what I'm saying. I'm not trying to convince anybody. This is a 10, 11, 12 win team. Um, I think if they stay abundantly healthy, which they're already not, um, and catch a couple of breaks, like, could they? Sure. I agree. Predict that? Absolutely not. Um, but playoff caliber competitive. Yeah, I think they should be. I don't think they're a six win team. Um, I know Vegas says they're, you know, six or seven win team and Vegas is not wrong very often, but yeah. I, I tend to think that they're going to be better than that. I think maybe that's maybe where I'm getting caught up. Maybe the roster's playoff talented, but there are some limitations to the roster in terms of youth at the quarterback position, inexperience with the play caller, you know, offensive line health that makes you say, hey, because like the other thing you look at is you look at the schedule and you say, you know, which quarterbacks are they playing this year? And they're playing a bunch of really good quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I know you have to look at strength schedule, but also I mean, we that's don't know a huge the strength thing, schedule. It is, but like it's also we don't actually know what the strength of the schedule is. It's we know true. what it looks like right now, but if you I'm know, I'm not even talking about like where the, I'm just saying quarterbacks. Like right, but like at, if by Christmas Eve Zach Wilson's playing instead of Aaron Rodgers, that's a very very different schedule. It's a very different schedule, hundred percent. But I'm just saying, like as of this second, sure, as of right now, it's hard. There's there's a lot of good quarterbacks on, and like again, I, I don't. I agree. Like, there's a lot of variation. There's a lot of flexibility with other positions. But if you're a top ten quarterback, top five quarterback, like usually those guys win football games, and we're playing a couple of those guys this year. So that's Definitely. that's just my thought. I think that's the other thing that needs to be considered in this in this equation. But I agree with you. Like, I think it's a talented team. I think they're competitive. I love what EB's doing. I love the maturation at all all spots. But I'm also ready to acknowledge that like. Um, it's it's an incomplete evaluation like uh, it's it's a proximity bias type thing so i, no, I just definitely. i just think that's in, it's important for fans to kind of keep that in mind in terms of like managing expectations like i expect this to be a team that's in a lot of games that last year they wouldn't have been in just because the okay. coaching is going to be better but like does that manifest into a playoff push i don't know it's a team that i expect to be hovering around 500 the entire year I and, think that's probably fair and then maybe you know, if you I get lucky to... like to your point if you get like a couple breaks things fall yeah. your way 
Not a, not a bad spot. Maybe you're pulling like, upset or pulling upset or two. Have yeah. you know get lucky on the injury front, either for you or against somebody sure. else. Like yeah. yeah, but I don't I don't think this is a team that we're going to look up and be like, God, they're they're way out of the playoff picture. They're four games under five hundred. You know I, that's just not a place I anticipate this team being at any point this season. But we'll sure. see. Yeah, we'll um, see. That's that's why they play the games. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. That's Logan Paulson. I'm Craig Hoffman. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you are watching or listening right now. Full episodes on YouTube at 106.7 The Fan. Subscribe to the audio on your favorite podcast platform, which might just be that free Odyssey app. Okay. Uh, from Disco, uh, another mailbag question. What do you think Curtis Samuel's role will be in the offense this year? I feel like we talked a lot about that in the spring and then kind of quieted down on it throughout the summer after watching the summer take place and kind of preparing for the season. What do you think his role is ultimately going to be? Um, I don't think you saw anything too specific. And like, let me just kind of flesh this thought out. Nothing too specific. I think you saw like a general thought process that they want to use him in kind of that Kadarius Tony way, you know, like where he might get a touch here from the backfield or they're going to motion him or jet sweep or whatever, but also him playing receiver. Cause I do think after watching, I think there's, I think they're very, very similar players. So I do think like that is something I would expect. You didn't get to see a lot of it. Cause I'm sure they're, they're open practices. People are taking videos. You don't want to put too much out there, but I also think that, um, you know, like just in terms of that, like those kind of preliminary tastes of what they were doing in practice. I think you saw, you know, just just a thought process. Of how do we use this guy's skill set? He's tremendously athletic, um, and he and he's got a skill set that's very unique in terms of like he's he's very strong. Even when you watch him do like one on ones and stuff, he's very very strong. Like not just at the catch point, but at the top of routes, like throwing guys off and getting off a of holding and things like that. So um, you want to use that strength, you want to use that explosiveness, and you want to find ways to get him incorporated in the offense for a guy who's maybe not the most refined route runner of all time. You know, like how do we get get him? easy touches and let him use his explosiveness. So 
uh, without giving too much away, I just, I just think there's a general kind of thought that that's the role I see for him, you know, in terms of uh, him, him getting touches like in, in a myriad of ways. I think all three guys, but especially McLaren and Samuel will get, I'm calling like designated touches, organized touches, whatever you want to, um, purposeful touches. I think Dotson's going to get his in the flow of the offense, and he's so good as a route runner that EB's going to be like, yep, we're good. And occasionally, like, will sure. he get a screen or reverse maybe? Um, but, like, I think Terry's going to get one to two of those a game, whether it's, like, the jet pass where you just tap it up to the guy and let him run or whatever. Like, we'll see Curtis lined up all over the place and throughout the season talking about all over the place. Sure. And I think he'll get a couple of design touches uh, throughout games on a pretty regular basis. But I do think he's almost underrated as a receiver, to your point. Like, I, I he can run routes. He's got strong hands. Like, he'll make clutch, tough, ca contested catches. Like, he, had, he didn't have a ton of catches last year, but how many clutch third downs did he convert sure. for them? So I, I think that they will, because of the, the volume of plays they should run being more efficient offensively, like, he should get a lot more touches this year than he did. Last year, I think Terry and Jahan, like, oh, they're all going to get touches because, again, they're just running more plays. Um, but there will be times, and, I, and I'm sure it'll, some of it will be opponent-specific. If they think they can get something over on a specific team, like, they'll use that. And he is a, a major web, weapon. I think the, the questions, too, are like, you can kind of ask the same question about Antonio Gibson. Um, yeah. Like, how, how specialty role does he become? Or is he just kind of a rotation back, um, you know, third down back kind of guy like I, I think there's there's really intriguing questions about those two guys in particular and you know as we're recording here some more questions are coming in like one of the questions I got it for another mailbag is like is there a situation where either of them is around after this season and yeah. I I think the likelihood that both of them are around doesn't seem very high but I think it's higher for Samuel on some kind of small much smaller contractual number sure. than it is for Gibson just by the nature of wide receiver versus running back yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, uh, you know, if you're looking at guys who are going to, in my opinion, more likely to get some of those game plan touches, I think you say it's probably Curtis. And, and to your point, like, I'm not saying Curtis is a bad route runner. Just when you watch him, he lacks some of that, like, some yeah, of that nuance, great. you know, that, that like, sep that makes good route runners or makes average route runners in the NFL. Like, there's, like, an understanding of stem and space and leverage that is um, – it's it's very specific and it's hard to articulate to people who don't know route running at a high level but um he's he's not that, that's not his forte like he's a he's sure. a strength and power and speed guy and so you want to find ways for him to utilize and again like in, in training camp for example i thought he did a great job like it's not always the prettiest thing of all time but it's He's strong and he's fast. He gets open. So like yeah there's he's also quick value in too that. Yeah. so that short area burst so sometimes if it's not pretty like you get to the top of a route and you just get to the next spot faster than 100%. the DB because you've got pure athleticism. And there's 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 like a what is that old adage? There's like a million ways to skid a cat. That's a weird yeah. expression. But like there's all there's all <laughs> sorts of different styles to get there, you know. And I think he's got a style that maybe isn't like, you know, like very Instagram friendly because it's not like oh double stick, work the outside release, lean back and break out. You know, it's not like that. But it's it's solid and it wins. And I think there's there's value there because like you mentioned the Baltimore practice, like he did a great job beating up on some corners and was that their their best corner group probably not but i think he's the guy that i would think is going to get more more specific touches as opposed to gibson and i think he warrants that just because i think he's a little bit more of that kind of like elite athlete that you want to get those touches and also like think about it when gibson's in the game um you treat him like a running back when curtis is in the game you have to treat him like a receiver 
So when you put them in the backfield, like an empty or, you know, like you say you go five wide receiver personnel or, you know, three wide receivers and two tight ends or whatever the, whatever the formation personnel allocation is, when you put them in the backfield, now all of a sudden that starts breaking defensive rules. Like, well, he's in the backfield. Do we treat him like a receiver? Do we treat him like a running back? Can we blitz this? Is this true empty? And that's where the value of having that guy comes in. With Gibson, like, he's very skilled. I'm not trying to diminish his skill set, but from a from a defensive coordinator standpoint, when he lines up in the slot, he's a running back because I don't fear his route running the same way that I do, like, a guy like Christian McCaffrey, for example, or Curtis Samuel. When he's in the backfield, he's a running back. So it doesn't really break the rules the same way that, you get with Curtis. And I think that, that just having that different tag in terms of position is an, is, a, is extremely valuable, you know, and, and EB has shown a proclivity in Kansas city now, you know, with using multiple tight ends, using different types of backs, using multiple receivers, because it dictates certain responses from the offense or from, from the defense, excuse me. So I think that's why I'd say that and in terms of them being back next year, I think they both would need to be very productive in order for that yeah. to even be a conversation. And, and, um, that's one of those big question marks. Like, is Curtis productive in this role? Is um, is Gibson productive in his role? And what is the role? Like, if, if Gibson's just kind of a third down back, you can keep him at a you can keep him at a good number. And I think kind of irrespective, Curtis will be back at a much smaller number because if you look at Kansas City, they find they can find guys kind of every year in the draft to fill that role. And while I think Curtis is special, he's not whatever he is, you know. $13 million a year special for this role that you seem to be able to find, especially given college, the, land, the landscape of college football. Now you can find that skill set pretty reticently, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing that people should be on the lookout for is like other, like Terry lining up in the backfield, not necessarily that he's ever going to get a handoff, um, but they'll throw screens to receivers sure. like in the past or things like that. Or you just line him back there to see what the defense does. And then you motion him back out to a receiver um, but you like, you start with him there and things like that, that Kansas city has been doing for years. And Andy's probably been doing since he was in Philadelphia. I'd have to go back and watch 2005 Eagles tape or, you know, nineties Packers tape when he was sure. in green Bay, but like these little seemingly little things that actually give the quarterback and you know, the rest of the offense, a ton of information, um, that cause defenses to check and communicate and create confusion and give away what they're doing. So there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff as well um, that I think you can expect to see this year. And who knows, maybe Terry will get a handoff at some point in the year. Um, sure. But more likely, you just you see it to kind of, you know, hey, the star corner is following Terry around. See if you can find him in the backfield and then chase yeah. him around and, you know, get a free release. Like there's just stuff you can do that uh, I think EB will bring to this offense that Curtis will probably be the biggest beneficiary of. Um, but Terry and possibly Jahan or Diami or whoever else might be a benefit of as well. And let's be clear, kind of going back to that first question also, like I think with an offense like this where you see a creative, productive, innovative mindset, all positions benefit. You know, like the tight ends will benefit, the receivers will benefit, the running backs will benefit. It just depends on who's getting the most kind of the, the what it, you had a very specific term it was like game plan touches is that what we're yeah. using for that? Wait, that that works yeah yeah like the person who's getting the most game plan touches and, and game plan touches in, the, in this contest are kind of like unconventional touches i think that's going to be curtis probably yeah probably all right uh last one before we get to the over unders um we've seen the practice structure change uh dramatically not just in the tempo but kind of what's actually being practiced 
How does that change emphasis on situational football where they've done a lot more two minute, a lot more third down, a lot more of that kind of stuff than what's been done in the past here? Um, how does that translate into the season? Well, I think, you know, golly, like there's so many, there's so many benefits to this new practice structure. So let's talk high level, then we'll kind of work our way to your, to that more specific question. Okay. So one of the things I've noticed is like, they've done a lot more seven on seven. And I was always a guy who's like, why so much seven on seven team? That's where the value is. You need team. You need the offensive line out there. You need the work and protections. And then I kind of thought about it. You can get the offensive line over with Juan Castillo and the defensive line doing inside run, doing pass rush, doing blitz pickup without the quarterback there. And they get way more reps and specific coaching to that activity that they're doing while also getting the seven on seven stuff. So, you know, they'd finish the day with 115 reps, 120 reps in a practice, which to me is mind blowing. Because when Kyle was here, when Mike was here, we done well with like, a big day would be like 70, uh, like a ton of reps, you know? So they are crazy in terms of their ability to maximize opportunities, maximize timings, maximize the the, the situations like we're going to talk about in a second. I think there's you're basically doubling your practice, which is crazy to think about. So the O-line's getting, instead of getting 15 minutes of individual, they're getting an hour and 15 minutes of individual, and then they do the team period, right? The, the skill guys get an hour and 15 minutes of individual seven on seven team Skelly. And then they go to team period. And I was like, man, like they are, they're doubling their practice time offensively. It's like ostensibly, like, which is crazy to think about. And so it was like the first day they came in and they started doing team run and you'd never seen them do a team period the whole off season. And it looks super crisp. You're like, it's because they've just been working it on the side, getting hundreds of undocumented reps, which is great. So that's the first thing I think is really fantastic about the new practice structure. And then you mentioned, I think this is this is huge, is that practice structure now allows you to maximize your third down opportunities. It allows you to maximize your red zone opportunities. Like think about how many how many days we're at practice, Greg, and we watch seven on seven in the red zone and they're getting 40 reps in practice. Yeah. You know, like that's great for the starters. That's great for the backups. That's great for the third string guys. And I think that's one of the reasons why Nothing looked too big. Like you're running a very specific game plan play with Bryson Tremaine for that touchdown in the um, in the Cincinnati game. You know, like he's motioning, come back across, and you can tell Cincinnati Cincinnati has no idea what's happening because it's kind of complicated. But but Washington looks super crisp because they've been able to rep it with everybody. And I think to myself, like that is insanely valuable. Is because you you've you've just get more reps. You can say, oh, hey, like. This is the fifth time we're running this play in training camp. We're going to get to see a new coverage in seven on seven. We're going to get to see a new thing. And so it just allows you to be so much sharper and so much more detailed versus all these different looks and just get more force, more football into these athletes' brains and in situations, in team, in whatever it is. So I think it's it's been – I think the benefit's going to be enormous, like in, in, in red zone – uh, third down, two minute, all those things, just because they've gotten so much more volume of, of learning in, in addition to the walkthroughs and team, like the practices just become way more productive. Yeah, no, I also think that when you talk about this, like what you talk about with the, the red zone play with Tremaine, right? This is something that when you go back to actually the last question as well, the motions and stuff that Curtis will be involved with. I think this is fundamental to who they are. It's yeah. fundamental to the way that EB thinks about offense or a guy like Scott Turner, sorry to beat up on him or pick on him if, if people feel like I'm doing that. Well, like 
that, that was extra. That was bonus. That was cool stuff. That was like, oh, those are trick plays. Where it's like, no, a, a jet motion handoff is like part of our offense. And it's also setting up this other thing. And it's going to be involved more often because we can fake it and then do this other counter off of that. Like it's it's a fundamental piece. The The reasons why you do it are things that you believe in at your core not things that you're using to trick the opponent, if that makes sure. sense, that differentiation. Yeah. And so whether it's the use of motion, different formations, um, you know, doing a ring around the rosy before a play, sure. like every everything, even the stuff that is tricky has a purpose. And I think that when you make that core and fundamental to who you are, and there's a good explanation of why players understand it better and they're going to execute it better and they've repped it a ton and it feels far more comfortable ultimately is what I'm getting to yeah. to them. So that every player, if they have to go in and, and be in on this particular play, they've repped it. They know it. They know why you're doing it. They understand it. They can go execute it. And I think that that's going to be huge. And if that's how they feel, not just about your base fundamental offense, but about your third down package, yes. and your, your fourth down stuff and your red zone stuff, like you're going to have a lot better execution. And I think that is what you see on top of the talent in a place like Kansas city, where yes, Mahomes sometimes runs around in, in a circle and then throws one sidearm and then uh, gets in the defender's face and yells, I am him. Um, there's also just like a lot of basic stuff that gets executed at a high level successfully all the time. And, and when they get down in the red zone, you feel like they're going to score. And, you know, is Travis Kelsey really talented? Sure. But there's also some schematic stuff in the way that it was all prepared that makes it so that Travis Kelsey, who should be the total focal point of a defense down there, is wide open way more than he should be. Yeah, there's a schematic stuff, but also some of the best plays that Travis Kelsey has, you can just tell. They've repped it so much yep. versus so many different coverages. Like he's got a corner, and I, I mentioned this corner thing all the time. And it's and it's and it's cover four, and he should be a dead route. And he just sits down in the zone and catches a ball. And it's and it, and again, that only happens if if you've repped it a bunch with the quarterback. And so the increased volume of reps in practice, I think, is extremely extremely beneficial to your general offense i think that's one of the reasons why the o-line has looked so much sharper than people expected because they've like literally just been the process has been accelerated the red zones look better all the, the timings look better it's because like they've and it's not just volume it's the detail with which eb's coaching it and this then he's got his staff coaching it so that's a huge factor but it's it's so powerful as a coach to be able to say hey we we've gotten more it's like you're trying to teach somebody how to do a power clean and it's like, imagine if I said, hey, we're, we're just doing live power cleans. You're never going to get it. But if I say, hey, we're going to break these down, we're going to kind of put you over here, we're going to do this stuff and this stuff and this stuff, it helps kind of the final product. And I think that's what you see with, um, with, the, with the offense at the moment. And one of the reasons I think why we're both so optimistic is because like it's crisp in situational football, and usually that's the last thing to come. And they've prioritized that in practice. They've prioritized it with practice structure. And I just think it's it's exciting. I'm obviously I'm excited about it. So yeah. How confident on a scale of one to ten are you teaching a power clean? I'm pretty confident. I can teach a power clean. It, but I think the thing about power cleans <laughs> is that everyone wants to be good at power cleans the same day you start. Nope. No. No. It's like a couple of probably like a two week, three week type of deal, you know? And if you can do it in two to three weeks, you are an excellent Olympic lifting coach. So the uh, I had a buddy who gave me a secret, which I'll tell you about off the air. And um, it changed my, it revolutionized how I teach it and was very, very helpful. So 
you're gonna have me making you're gonna you're gonna make me want to go do power cleans after the show. <laughs> All right. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there. Craig Hoffman here. Uh, Of course, you can catch me on the radio uh, 4 to 7 each and every weekday. And then, Logan, you can catch us on the radio. 10 yes, to that's 1. Right. That's right. Uh, pre-game. Take Command pre-game show. We're even calling it the same thing as the podcast now. The Take Command pre-game show on 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980. Burgundy and Gold game day returns Sunday, so make sure you are tuned in. We will also be streaming live as well, I believe, on both YouTube channels, so we'll sure all that up. And uh, there's some other. There's one more detail that we're not allowed to say yet, but we will... Uh, Share that hopefully on the midweek pod. Stay tuned to the radio show and the social medias and all that. I'm excited. What to, is it? Have we talked about this? I think so. All right. Well, so. then I forgot about it. Well, I'm excited um, to hear I'll, about uh, it. Well, I'll share. You, I'll share that with you when you share your power clean tip with me <laughs> off the air. All right. Uh, by the way, as for the podcast, if you're not subscribed, make sure you do. Uh, we return to our three times a week uh, routine starting in week two. We would be in week one, but you know, there's no game to review, and also it's a holiday week, so two pods this week, and then we uh, go live on Sunday after the game to recap it. Okay. Final predictions. Let's. Uh, Thanks to FanDuel, uh, unofficially, I'm just using their numbers. So it's not really thanks to FanDuel. It's thanks to the fact that FanDuel puts numbers on the internet. Um, They want to sponsor the show. They can't. Over-unders for players for the season and one for the team. Uh, Howell, we'll start with him. Got two numbers for you. Uh, Passing yards first. 3,075 and a half. 3,075.5. Wow. That's the over-under number for Sam Howell. I will say this. I will go first on this one. If he is healthy, he should smash that by a couple, maybe not smash, but by a couple that, hundred yards, I think he gets it. Didn't we decide that that was like exactly what we thought he would have? Is like 3,700 exactly? No, three. that's the thing. It's 3,075, not 37. Oh. You got a, see, you got a number see, backwards. 3,075. Yeah. If he's healthy, he should get that fairly easily. But we don't know with health. I mean, last year we were gung-ho on Carson Wentz is over and on yeah. that one because of health um, for as bad as Wentz was his yardage total was actually pretty high and he would have easily gotten his number last year and he played all 17 games um, I think I'll still go over um, but that's uh, if he misses like two games and you're you're in bad shape no I, I agree I, yeah because what was Daniel Jones last year didn't we look that up it was like 35 maybe I'll have 30... to look up in a second yeah so I think uh I'd probably go over, even if he's like, I think that's a very reasonable number. You did some yeah. math, which I know is not your strong suit, but we did like a math thing, and you're like, if he well, I, just did, for- I just did math on a calculator on my phone. Uh, that's was- the number he's got to average per game if he plays 17. Thank you, yes. So I think he'll be over. only 180, 180 yards per game if he plays all 17 games. I feel pretty good about that. 
Yeah, and especially like with the formula that you've seen in the preseason, like they want to throw the ball. And it's not like they're going to be throwing the ball down the field a ton, but like they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. And I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities for, you know, guys who are good after the catch to make plays. So I would I would say over, you know, I don't think they're going to run the ball as much as people think. And I think that's good because I think that's smart football in 2023. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to say over. Is that Jones good? last year, 3,200 yards, 3,205. Yeah, I, I think that's – if he's hitting 32, I think I think we've got a similar, a very similar situation here. Like it might be 31, 32, 33, but I think that's kind of what I see uh, Sam doing this year. All right, so we're both going over. Um, I mean, even let me do, redo the math real quick. Um, let's go times 17 div- <laughs> divided by. Let's see, he misses two games. He's still only got to average 205 yards a game. I feel like which is not which is not insignificant, but not insignificant. Think, but with you know, again, like all the screen yardage and the things that they want to do with yeah. with the easy completions, hopefully it, it adds up pretty quick. Okay, this one's harder. Howell seventeen and a half touchdowns. So does he get yeah. to eighteen? Jones was fifteen s- and five last year. By the way, he's fifteen and five. See, that feels like a good number for me, but I, I like that twenty-three number. That that twenty-three number feels good to me. That what that Carson and uh, Taylor yeah. combined for last year? That's a lot, though. I'm gonna say that seems right. Can you just say that's the right number? I mean, that's why they put the the hook in there. That point five, <laughs> Logan. This is how gambling works. They put a point five, so you got to make a decision. If he's gonna was, get to eighteen, he's over. Seventeen, he's under. I'm gonna say over. I think he gets to eighteen or nineteen. I think okay. twenty, something like that. You say I over too. It's a lot of touchdowns, bro. Yeah, it's at least it's. A, I mean, if he gets to one, if he averages one per game, he's under. Um, yeah, I think he'll have a game with two. And I also think this is another thing about at least watching Kansas City, and they have the best player in football. A little different dynamic, but they throw the ball in the low red more than most teams. Yeah, and, and they I have like think, the the tight end flip play. That's technically a passing touchdown, stuff yeah. like that. And I think like the the Bryson Tremaine touchdown in the third yep. preseason game is a big part of what they want to do down there. So I would say I think he's going to, you know, in those situations, a lot more opportunities. Hopefully that leads to a bigger total. So I'm going to say over. Even if it's slightly over, I think over. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, And that's I think that's exactly why you're right. Like the low red stuff where you get down there, they throw it in. I mean, not that he's going to do anything remotely close to Mahomes, but let's – Mahomes the last couple of years touchdown wise is, is it like thirty five or something crazy like that. Uh, last year was forty one. The year before yep. was thirty seven. So he's just got to so, get to. He's so he's gonna be to way seventeen over, and a half. <laughs> Seems easy all of a sudden. Just be half half of Mahomes. Let's do it. All right, this one's this one's tough. McLaurin sixty nine and a half receptions. How many did you have this last year? Do you know? Uh, let me look. I was ready with a lot of numbers. This wasn't it. Last year, Terry had 77. He actually had 77 the last two years. He had 87 in 2020. Last time he was below this number was as a rookie. He had 58. Um, I think the only thing that would concern me about this is if Jahan like really goes off or Logan really goes off and a lot of the production is diverted. I feel pretty confident about him being over on this. I think you've seen over the last couple of weeks that he's going to be a big feature of the offense lining up in multiple spots. I mean, if he's healthy, obviously that's a huge if at the moment, but that's my if. Yeah. But, um, and again, like there's a lot of weapons here, so, but I don't think so. I think he's over that. So if he's healthy, I think he's over toe injury before week one scares the Jesus out of me. If sure. I bet this, I go under. Um, You're going to go under I, because of the toe. 
I, I, if I had to bet this right now, I do think they've done a good job. He's like been in a boot, you know, they're not, they're like, Hey man, you be ultra conservative. You don't do anything until we get you in cleats to practice right before the game. But a toe injury, man, that scares me. Toe injuries are funky, man. Yeah. Um, and they, they definitely can come back and they can cause other issues. Uh, whole kinetic chain. BS. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, if he's healthy, I feel like he's going to be around 75, 80. Um, but again, that's, you don't get, you don't get your money back when you go to the window. If hey, my guy got hurt, sorry, sucks to be you. So I think I'd probably, my official prediction will be under for that, sure. um, but I'm hoping I'm wrong. Cause that means Terry's healthy and you know, onward and upward. All right. Dotson, we got two numbers, four and a half touchdowns. And then I got a yardage number in a second. Let's start with the touchdowns of uh, famously led all rookies and touchdowns last year besides, or even though he missed a bunch of time. Yeah. What do we got like a long over, time. over under four and a half? Um, I'm going to say over, you know, that seems like a, just seems like a low number for a guy who I think is going to be hyper productive this year. Like I'm, I'm, I'm on the, Desha- uh, the, the Dotson train. I'm, I'm in it. I'm, I'm the conductor. I'm tooting the horn. I think he's going to be very, very productive this year. You know, like, and so I think he's going to have probably six touchdowns, maybe seven touchdowns this year. Like I, I'm, I'm very high on him, uh, scoring a lot. Now, the one thing I would say is that I do think there will be a lot of like touchdown cannibals in this offense, specifically the backs, especially in the low red. So I don't know. I just, like, I'm high on him. I think he's going to get a ton of touches. I think he's going to get a ton of targets and like guys like that. You know, I played with Julio. Julio was a classic guy who got a ton of targets and ton of catches and made explosive plays all the time. But for whatever reason, I only have like two touchdowns when I was down there in uh, 18. So I know that doesn't always lead to touchdown production, but. I don't know. I just think he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be higher on that. Yeah. Four and a half feels like a very, a low enough number that you got to go over. God, we're so like we're just going over five touchdowns. I know I mean, Terry, had five. Terry had, had five the last couple of years. And this is our Ashburn bias for sure. I just think the offense is going to be more effective. And I think he's going to be a I bigger too. part of the offense. Like I, I just think he's going to be a bigger part of the offense. And again, like they're not great with receiver Kansas city being, great with receivers in the red zone. So maybe that's, I should be more aware of that, but God, I just think, I think, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over. Uh, you almost talked long enough to stall for what I needed. Uh, receiving <laughs> uh, touchdowns last year for Kansas city. They didn't have a receiver over four and a half. Um, I know, which is crazy. Kelsey had, had 12 Kelsey. McKinnon had nine, nine receiving touchdowns for McKinnon. There's no, no way. I don't think a running back comes close to that this year. I think B-Rob um, is close to that this year. Receiving? I think so. I think he's wow. going to get a lot of touches. I think uh, close is like, I think he has five receiving touchdowns. Okay, well, nine. I don't have There's a lot. I get, it, I get it. Uh, I get it. Nicole Hardman had four. Edwards Alaire had three. Uh, Juju had three. Tony had two in just seven games. Yeah. Um, and I can see them using Dotson in the red zone a lot. But like, we just we just said Curtis is going to be that guy. So I know, uh, but I could like, like I could see at different areas of the field the Kadarius Tony package going to different guys. That you want that like short, quick, bursty athlete down in the in the sure. red zone. Like I could see Dotson getting those touches. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say over again. We're gonna say over. It's before right. the season starts. Let's be optimistic, guys. Let's be Come optimistic. Ashburn right. uh, glasses on. Ashburn glasses on. All right, this one's an easy over for Ashburn glasses are on. Dotson seven twenty five and a half on yards. Over, over. He, if I put it at nine ninety nine and a half, aka is he a thousand yard receiver? Over. I'm over. You, you I'm, seriously? You think Dotson's think a thousand yard receiver? I think he's getting a grand this year. 
easy. Like just why, dude? You've been out of practice. He's dude's amazing. An dude's an animal, and like he's so good. And the fact that anytime they've done, he's played in the preseason. He's been the high volume target guy. Yeah, I'm just like, there's a reason for that. Sam's got good chemistry with him, barring some injury, which you know, knock on wood, is very like he was injured last year. I, I think he's gonna have a grand this year, plus grand plus. So I, I'm I'm high on Jahats, and I told you I'm the conductor of the train. Like it's aspirin all the way. Toot toot, Jahan Dotson. Toot toot, Jahan Dotson, all aboard, leaving the station destination FedEx Field. All right, two more quickly. Uh, they're plus fourteen hundred, fourth best odds overall to lead the NFL in sacks. Will the Commanders lead the NFL in sacks this year? Fourth best. Fourth best odds. I know you looked this up earlier, but do you know who was ahead of them? Uh, I knew you were going to ask that, and I meant to go back to the page, and I did not. So Philly 49ers. Philly's, Philly, San Francisco were definitely uh, two. I, why do I think it's maybe Denver? Um, that Cleveland? Feel right. Cleveland might have been up there, but you definitely got you definitely got two of them. Keep keep. Uh, yeah, keep talking. Uh, keep talking. So this one to me is the most kind of questiony, right? Because I do think that you've got some very productive football players. Chase's health is a big one. Uh, John's health is a big one. I do think they are capable of leading the NFL in sacks. The other one is like Montez. Can Montez finish enough rushes to get in that double-digit sack thing? Because he's very productive. Like he's in terms of hurries, in terms of all these 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 metrics that you're looking at, like very very high on him for that. But he's got to do it. So I uh, I would say, do they lead the NFL in sacks? I can't find it on on. Yeah, don't worry about thing. it. So the other thing props, is, is the offense going to be the, the, hopefully they'll be playing with a lead a little bit more. Hopefully the back end's a little bit better. <sighs> I don't know. I, I I'm on the fence on this one. This is the hardest one we've done so far. Because yeah, I think I'm gonna some... I'm gonna say no. Um, here yeah. we go. Uh, it's Philly, Pittsburgh, San oh. Francisco, Washington, and Philly's pretty significant. They're plus six hundred. Pittsburgh plus seven fifty. Washington's all the way up at plus 1400. I just think also we talked about the quarterbacks earlier. Um, like you got a bunch of veterans who know how to get rid yeah. of the ball. Like that yeah. doesn't mean they'll be productive against this team, but like they'll probably, avoid that's a sacks. great point. Yeah. Um, all right. Last but not least real test. If our Ashburn glasses are on win total six and a half over under <sighs> over over. I walked to a window in Vegas and gave him money for it. It's over. Did you really? Yeah, when I was out there, I was like, "What's can I, I actually wanted to buy it up to seven and a half, but you can't do that at a window." No, oh, okay. I don't know what you're talking I, about. I, 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 they, I was willing to. I, if you give me better odds, I'm willing to take, like, say, "Hey, the number seven and a half instead of six and a half." Oh, I see. I'm willing to. I'm willing to bet that they will win eight games this year. Yeah, I, th I think over. I mean, when you look at the schedule, though, I will say it's like if you're just based on right now. It's really, really hard to be like, oh, that's a win. This is a win. Like, they're, they're, it's a pretty tough schedule. So, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, commander's schedule. What do you think? All right. Here we I'll go. We got Cardinals. Are we going to do the win-loss thing? Yeah, let's just do it real quick. All right. Cardinals. Win. It's win. Uh, we got to get to we gotta get to seven here as I'm counting. Uh, Broncos at, at Denver. That's tough. a tough trip. Tough. I'm going to give it to them because I know their their other ones are going to be tough. So, let's give All it right. to them. Bills. Loss. Eagles. Probably loss. Bears. There's three. Thursday night. That's a tough one though. But yeah, I'll you're, give home. you're home. You're yeah. home. Oh, home? Okay, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, home home against Chicago. So There's the other three. one is that is is that Denver game. If they win that Denver game, I think they're gonna be flying high. Feel pretty good. But yeah, go yeah. ahead. So exactly. At Atlanta. Giving them that one. Okay. At New York. We'll say that's a loss. 
Well, I think they uh, split with New York. Let's hope. Right. So that I was going to save the the win for later. That was at New York. So yeah. home against Philly. I mean, there. If you're just saying who's a better team, Philly's a better team. Hopefully, right. they split. But right, who knows? Uh, at New England, that is one that is sneaky, especially with a rookie quarterback. Rookie quarterback yeah. Sam Howell versus against Bill Belichick. Belichick. Here's here's what I'm going to do though. I mean, they're at. New England, then at Seattle. I'm going to give him one of those two. Yeah, give him one. Okay, give him so one. now we're at five. Home against New York, split. They're six. Yeah. Okay. At Dallas. At Dallas, probably a loss. Okay, but, home against Miami. I mean, put your track spikes on, boys. Um, I'm going to say win. I think two is hurt. So that's eight right there, right? That's, uh, that's seven. Seven. Uh, okay. At L.A., Oh, I mean, that's late in the season, that's a terrible trip, but I do think like they're a better roster and if everyone's healthy, they should be good. They so that's be eight at New York Christmas Eve. And then that's the one where you split, right? With New York. Uh, no, we already got that. That's is the Jets. Yeah. Jets. That's a tough one. I'll say one. that's, that's New York. Um, 49ers home New Year's Eve. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, and then Dallas to end the season. So that's I'm nine. gonna say they split with Dallas. That's nine. We just nine. gave them. Yeah, the the ones the ones that make me really nervous because of of just covering this team are Atlanta, are Denver early, and Chicago early because those are probably games that you could win because of like where those teams are at. And I want to see a maturity that they do win those games, but I think those could you know like of Atlanta. Course. Is a tough. That's a tough. It's not a tough trip, but that's a tough team to play. And the other thing I want to point out is that middle part of the schedule. I think I mentioned this when we did the schedule release. It's a lot of teams who like to run the ball a lot. How banged up are they going to be getting into that other second half of the schedule? So yeah. um, those are three games I'm really watching closely because, like, you can and you should win those games. If you do, I'm going to be more optimistic later on. But if it's if it's like a slugfest and it's not pretty and it's not well coached, then you know, obviously, going to be a little bit, but. I'm going to say over just because, you know, we're, we're covering the team. Ashburn uh, glasses. Ashburn glasses. Let's do it. Six and a half over. Uh, I promise your wife this podcast would be only 45 minutes. Uh, I'm going to keep it under 55 because we're done now. Uh, so that's, that's it and that's all. Uh, we'll see you for the Arizona game preview later in the week. Subscribe if you're not already. It's football season. What are you waiting for, kids? Thanks for watching this clip of Take Command. First, why don't you why don't you like it? It lets other people know that it was good, and then they should watch it too. And Logan, we have a new exclusive home for full episodes. We do. 1067 The Fans YouTube page. Go check it out and please subscribe. Yeah, do, do what Logan said. Do He's it. Very, very smart.